You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. Sydney, welcome to Dublin South FM. As we said in the intro there, you know, you're a woman of many talents, you know, the, the uh, athlete, the designer, the entrepreneur, you know, a life I'm sure that has, if one sat down and put pen to paper, you could write not one book, but possibly many books. So before we get into, you know, the deep conversation, I want to ask you one question. And that question is, what's the one thing that you want people to walk away with from this conversation today and why? That is such a great question. And thank you for inviting me here to the show, Joe. I'm very excited to share my story. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about today really um, has to do with the fact that we, we think in life that we're going to have one purpose. I was a national level figure skater. That's what I loved. I thought I was going to do it until I was you know, going off into the wild blue yonder as, uh, you know, doing the dying swan act at, you know, 80 or 90. And, um, and of course, have a very special guest here with my puppy at my side. But at 18, it was taken away from me because I was injured in a tragic accident. And so what I want people to know is what they've already learned, what skills they've already acquired, can carry them forward. You're not starting back as a six-year-old, that you can take a moment and assess where you are and really springboard. And that's really what happened in my life. And, and I couldn't have figured out that I, I thought that my life was going to end, you know, at 18, uh, being a figure skater. And um, that was it. But my skating coach, he didn't train us to be competitive figure skaters. He taught us an approach to life. And that's really what I want to share with people, because sometimes circumstances change, whether or not it's a marriage, whether or not it's a business failing, whether or not it is an accident. There are things that you can take from what you've already accomplished to now, even if you don't think it's important. And really make something of it. Yeah, I would agree because sometimes something in our life can mean a disaster or can feel, oh my God, why is this happening to me? But looking back on those disasters, they probably could have been the best thing that ever happened because they shaped the road moving forward and the journey that you were taking on. Um, so you went from, you know, you you. you you know, an athlete, you've been on TV, you know, um, you've, you've product designer fashion. Do you think just, I want to just look at the product designer. Do you think th that those experiences from when you were ice skating really sort of helped you to understand the deepness that you need to go in to design that right product that people want to purchase as well? Absolutely. Because as a figure skater, and when I looked back on my life, I thought, okay, what are the, what are the threads that are common? And you can only do that at this juncture. It's kind of hard to figure out when you're kind of in the middle of it. But 
it was always about beauty and expression. So I was skating to express beauty. I also designed my own costumes because, uh, bless my mom, she was a bookkeeper accountant and she couldn't sew her way out of a paper bag. And so at 13, when dad bought her, you know, this wonderful metal fast sewing machine, it was so painful to watch her. I said, like, mom, like, stop. And she um, had Uh, skating costumes made for me by this lady named Mrs. Dick. And uh, she said to my mom, who was Mrs. Marr or Evie to everyone else, said, um, you know, Evie, don't worry. I'm going to give her a pattern. Just pick up some remnants. Don't worry about what she's, you know, what she destroys. You you won't be wasting any money. And, you know, so I learned to sew right away. So the, the liaison or the thing that bridges from being a figure skater and expressing something. So I would have a, um, a program and I remember being challenged by my coach, uh, Brian Power. He said, I went to him with this piece of music one day and I said, um, Brian, I, I'd like to do this, um, this music. And it was called baptism. And he said, he listened to it and he said, mm, no. I was 17 at the time. And he said, you're not mature enough for it. You don't know. You don't have the um, you don't have the emotional range to express this piece of music. I said, no, no, no. You didn't understand. I want he said, no, I refuse to choreograph it for you. He said, I'll do it for you on one condition that you go and you work and work and work on it. And you come back to me and show me what you think this music means. And he did agree to do the choreography for me, but also because I had worked so deeply on what does this music mean? What am I trying to express? I also designed my outfit um, and made it like a one shoulder. And there was, you know, there was waterfalls in the music and there was expression of, of, of love and, and um, sort of that timelessness. And that's what I designed into my costume. So when my skating accident happened in the fall of that year, after he had um, prepared the program for me and I was, we were going into competitive season and the young man crashed into me and, and almost severed my leg. I mean, my, my, I, I should have died. In fact, Brian saved my life. It was like, I had this time of, I just had to stop because number one, they were saving my life. Number two, they were testing my leg for six months to see if they could go back and do the first microneurosurgery in Canada. And that great pause that we call it had me reevaluating what did I learn, what, you know, and gave me time to grieve, I'm going to say the loss of my skating career, because I was preparing myself to go back to the ice. And only one of the skaters came to me and had the courage. He was a young man. His name was Dennis Coy. And I, I, um, he has since passed, but I, I credit him and, and adore him for it. But he came to me and he said, he said the hard thing that no one else had the courage to say. He said, Sid, said, you're never going to compete again. And it was like so shocking and it was like throwing me back 30 feet. And I was like, okay, 
So now where do I go from here? When that was said to you and you jumped back, you know, the things that go through, especially at that young age when you're 17 and you're vulnerable and, you know, you at 17, we believe that we know everything and even our, even our parents are silly and the only things that matter is selfish us and our friends and nothing else. So when that was said to you, what was the roller coaster that was going on inside your head? Did you kind of, were you mature enough mentally to kind of accept it or did it knock you for six? Well, it did both. You know, I, I think that when you're suddenly realize that you're never at, and I wasn't on the top of my game. I was going into international competitions. I was absolutely the top of my class in, as a expressive, competitive figure skater. And so I think that the six months or so before the um, operation and during, I, I don't recall exactly when Dennis said that to me, but it was like I already had six months of, of hoping and wishing. And I was training up at the university with all the other Olympians so I could get back on my feet. I wanted, I was maintaining my weight. I was making sure that I was working all of my muscle parts. And, and uh, I just realized I, when I didn't have, actually after the operation, I didn't have perfect plantar action, which means the push off. I didn't have equal push off on, on my feet. It, it's, it, you can't skate. I'm not, I'm not even recommended. I can run, but I'm not even recommended to run for a, a long um, period. Like I, I couldn't go jogging. So if, if that was the realization, what, what was the next thing? Like, what did you kind of go, okay, I'm going to have to realize this is not me. Normally we would think, okay, what can I do within that industry because you were aligned to it so you kind of think oh can i coach other people or can i do this and but then as you go through that you know maybe they go well you don't have the experience of that you're only 17 or whatever so what was the stage that you kind of went okay i need to meander in a way out of this into something which is going to bring the future the future sydney moving forward as a figure skater and as a performer i was the doer, not the observer. And yes, I could have easily transferred into the professional level and decided to coach, decide to coach, but I didn't because I wasn't, I felt that I hadn't naturally arrived to, okay, I'm ready to stop being the performer. I'm ready to coach. I felt skating was taken away from me. The rug was pulled from underneath your feet. Yes, absolutely. And it was one of those things where I, I was not going to coach because I, I just wasn't ready. And I didn't know when I would be ready, but I was not going to do that. And then there was going to be a big segue between in my, in my I was going to go out there and do the next thing, but I was not going to go back to the rink and coach. Okay, so let's jump forward, okay? So jumping forward, all these life circumstances that sort of happened. 
the question then that's springing up and I've wrote it down here is awareness. So that realization and with yourself is okay, awareness and self-awareness. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you the, the in-between story about the self-awareness because I was involved in a skating accident at a skating rink and my father happened to be in insurance. And when you think about, oh, um, who's coming over to your house and if someone falls down, who's responsible? Just, you know, regular liabilities and things like that. So I was injured in a skating rink and we had a choice. My family and I sat down and, and, and they said, do you want to go to court? Because I lost my career in skating. And we said, okay, we're going to go to court. And I, uh, we did that. Um, everyone, uh, I could see actually as the um, court case was going on that um, even some of the skating officials were lying on the stand. It was shocking to me. Uh, and then uh, my own lawyer refused to call my skating coach, who was the key witness. And we, we ended up losing. And my father and mother, my mother and I sat and we said, okay, so what just happened? Uh, we said, we think that what happened was that because this would have set um, an insurance precedent, that there was something going on behind the scenes. And so we decided that dad said, we have two choices. We can either um, spend X amount of money going back to court and appealing because we're right, or we can take that X amount of money and invest it in what you're going to do next. And even though I still don't agree that children can go to a skating rink and pretty much die, um, no one was listening to us. And it was time for me, as you might say, um, get on my two feet. And so I enrolled in fashion school and uh, said, this is going to be my, my new career. And that was the beginning then of the new journey yes 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 i i really loved it i was already sewing and uh creating patterns from the time i was 13 and uh Here, here's it. the thing okay there's people out there that love sewing and there's people out there that make dresses and there's people out there that have gone to fashion school and there's people that have gone out there who've gone to interior design school But what gave you or made you have that little extra? Do you know, like you were on is a QVC, you know, you 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 know, your your career path flourished and is flourishing. What was the thing, you know, what was the thing that you had a have? let's call it what is success or you know what is awareness what was the one thing that you had that you think made you go above and beyond and this is for people that will be listening here to the radio who are 
working at home or people that you know they're in a small business or and they're kind of listening going oh my god you know someone's from 17 had an idea do you see do you understand what i'm trying the question i'm trying to ask absolutely and i have the I have a very clear answer. My skating coach, Brian Power, taught us life lessons. It was how to accomplish things. So I, at 18, when my accident happened, because my birthday's in August, I realized that, okay, um, I can take everything that he's taught me, discipline, um, being discerning, uh, critical thinking, how to figure out um, what, what, what were the next steps, um, determination and organizational skills. You would be surprised at how, you know, organizational skills, people don't realize that they have. Like moms who are staying home with their children, the organizational skills of when to feed the kids, what kind of things to have in the pantry, how to make sure that all of the lessons are organized. That's massive because if you can project manage, that's really project management. And that allows you to lay out a plan, accomplish things on time, and people don't realize that they have these skills. So when I went back and went back to school and applied everything that he had already taught me, because he didn't teach me how to be a competitive figure skater, he taught me how to accomplish things. So I didn't go back to six years old. I was already an accomplished 18-year-old with all of these skills that literally um, had my career launch into the stratosphere. I was in all of the magazines. I was on the runways and being invited to the Clairol Awards and to Rideau Hall with the government because I was one of um, Canada's top young designers at the time in the early 80s that's you know it's it's an amazing story um and before we get into that part one thing that popped up and it's i talk about it a lot because i think a lot of people today are lacking it and i and i think a lot of businesses are need it and that's critical thinking so you know, for people out there who are looking to go, oh yeah, we don't have that. How would you how would you say to them how they would operate or best way to be that critical thinker? Well, I'm going to explain it this way. Joe, if you said to me, let's say that we're having coffee one day and uh you pulled out some of your puzzles and said, um Let's play, you know, let's figure out this puzzle, whether or not it's, you know, um, a um, like a wood puzzle, like this one, whether or not it's rings, whether or not it's, uh, uh, and, and it would be, how do I figure this out? So it's not like a jigsaw puzzle on how do I find the piece that matches, but the how, so I, I think that, you know, when, when you're, it's it's about figuring out okay i'm going to i'm going to spend the afternoon driving from i only have 4 hours and i need to organize myself in a way that is really efficient that's critical thinking yeah it's like a good game of chess 
it, it is a little bit like chess. It's it and that when you're sewing something, how many garment pieces is it? What kind of fabric is it going to be? Uh, do I want something that sticks out? Do I want something that is flowy and 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 goes to the body? Is it a woven fabric that I'm actually going to cut on the bias? So I think people have critical thinking without knowing they have. They just need to think about how am I going to solve this problem in the simplest way possible. But it's like you even said there, you know, a mother at home who's looking after the kids and doing the menu plan and everything, they're project managers, but they wouldn't believe they are project managers because it's not titled project management. It's called mum, you know, mum is the, is the PA to the CEO uh, who demands everything and doesn't pay you, you know, <laughs> you have to get really good. <laughs> you have to get really good to be th that project management. But, in 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 your life and all the success you have as well and the journey what's this, what what are the, like a spiritual end so you know people would know that i'm you know and as i say it many times is i'm not religious but i am spiritual and the reason why i choose to be different in that is because i think spirituality for me holds something dear to me and it's something within and it's that connection with you may call it god or source or whatever whatever one labels it but you know what about your own journey on that on, on awareness well on a spiritual level i am kind of with you um i don't have a religion i do believe you know i can call him god source creator as uh we spoke uh when we spoke uh, before I, I am um, Chinese, Scottish, and Indigenous. So I, you know, on the Indigenous side of me, I would call it creator. On the Scottish side, I would definitely call him God, you know, and on the Chinese side, probably, you know, Buddha or good old superstition. <laughs> but the connection to spirituality, and when my, um, second uh, near-death experience happened when I was 54. And I was, again, top of my game in fashion and uh, traveling all over the world doing my QVC fashion shows. And then I get filled with an illness that they can't figure out. And the doctor literally has to save my life. Uh, when the OR doors opened, it was like, okay, God, whatever you got, tell me what I'm here for and I will do it. It's about, I think about listening to whatever, um, either your inner self, creator, God, source, etc., to give you guidance on why we're here. I mean, that's a question that doesn't matter whether or not you're religious. We all ask that question. Why are we here? What's our purpose? And I think that we all come with gifts. And when we have these gifts, it's it's kind of our job to develop them and, and create whatever we came here to do. And now it's funny because now at my tender age, I'm in uh, my 60s. I realized that I have finally 
I don't call myself a coach, but I've now, um, because I'm not actively doing my own fashion collections anymore, so many people came back to me asking for my expertise, help, guidance on developing their own collections, developing products that they just don't know because maybe they are that mom at home realizing that, you know, there is a backpack they need to make, but they don't have the factory skills or the supply chain management skills that I have. And, and I'm there to help identify what they already know and what parts we can fill in. I have to say a couple of things. Uh, one is, you know, you, you don't look your age. Um, you look younger as well. So um, I, 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 I hope I look as well as you. <laughs> Thank you. But I do have, a, I do have, you know, um, a secret. I have my own, after my second near-death experience, I lost almost all of my lovely hair and my naturopath created a vitamin for me, which I turned into Sydney Mar Wellness. And that was, you know, it's a small boutique um, bioactive vitamin line that I developed. And I thought actually I was going to go off into the wild blue yonder and do only that. But as we were talking about earlier, I do believe that everyone has a divine purpose. And, and now that I'm at my tender age, actually I just turned 64. Um, I think it's, if I've now have the opportunity to help other people bring their ideas to life. I help them figure out if it's a silly idea, it's a feasible idea. How are we going to make it? How are we going to make sure that it meets all of our values? I seen Dragon's Den and I seen people who you talk about silly ideas, people that they created a bed sheet for a bed with a line down the middle. So this is your side and this is your side and this line is separating and they were looking for X amount of money to produce these and the dragons then were looking them at it's all just it's just a line, you know, and these and people were convinced that they honestly believed this was a great idea. And sometimes we believe that we have great ideas, even though they're not great ideas. So you as, you know, a product designer, you know, helping businesses develop and tell them the truth. It's courage. As you were told, you were, someone had the courage to tell you at a young age, your career's finished here. You're going to have to look at something else. You have to have that courage to tell other people. What, what in, in, in your opinion, would you believe that, you know, companies are, that are coming up or people that have great ideas. Do you ever see, you know, what was the one thing that you feel is their problem or what is the one thing that they need help with? Or, or you know, the one thing they suck at? You know? <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Well, I think that taking criticism yeah. is one of them. Yeah. People hate, people hate us. Yeah. As a figure skater, if I fell on that um, double axle, for instance, and I could complain bitterly to my coach and he would just look at me and he'd say, yeah, so do it again. Or he might say, I want you to try it this way. It's going to feel wrong and you're going to do it anyway. 
And if you don't land it, then I give you permission to do it the way you think is right. So trying it, trying to solve problems in different ways, you know, it's, it's really interesting because also in my design studio, within the privacy of the walls of our design studio, I would say to the staff, we'd hold up every single design and say, like it, love it, hate it. I don't care if you don't love it. And we're going to all stand on our soapboxes and say why we like it, love it or hate it before it goes out those doors. Yeah. And you have to have make sure people are honest because people might just agree with the boss and, and you have to kind of, I think that's where you come in as an expert for a company that's designing a product because sometimes people in the organization are saying something self-serving, keep their job. <laughs> where if you come in, you are outside and you're saying, no, that's wrong. So keeping their job, my staff knew keeping their job was if we sold thousands or a hundred thousand pieces, et cetera. And I told all of them, if it's a weird idea that you really want to do, sew it yourself or make it yourself at home after your cup of tea. What's next for you? You know, I know we're running out of time and you, you, as, it, as I said in the beginning of this, you know, we've only got a short period of time, but you haven't got one book. You, there's a couple of books there, you know, um, what's next for you? What's what's you know, what's the next big thing for you? Well, the couple of things that I haven't done, um, I continue to work with my clients and helping them you know, develop their dreams, of course. Um, I do have in my heart of hearts, um, one of the books I'd like to read uh, to write is um, about organizational skills. It's going to be a tiny little book, but it is about, um, as far as I'm concerned, bringing organizational skills to the next level of um, sexy because being organized means you can go out and have a cup of coffee with a friend if they just not stop by for a cup of tea, you know, or it, it means you can, everything's always in order. So I, I love that about um, being organized. It doesn't box me in. It actually allows me to be spontaneous. And the last thing, last, last legacy thing that I want to do is because it's been quite a journey of my um, my indigenous background. I am Inkla Katma, Thompson River Salish from British Columbia. And that was hidden from me my whole life. I was ostensibly brought up as a Chinese and Scottish kid. The Scots part of us came, comes from Aberdeen. Uh, we're Gordon Angus um, family. And um, my grandmother and grandfather from China, um, or grandfathers from China, they, um, so there's a lot of, I guess where I'm going is there are a lot of different cultural influences, which I really loved. And I think that many of us have what I'm going to call the tapestry of our lives. And so I'm challenging myself to consider how all of my different cultural influences have, I'm going to say, inspired and shaped my life. 
And I would like to express that in what I'm going to call my legacy fashion collection, which is going to start in Couture. They'll only be for one-off orders. And if I have figured out that brand philosophy and what I really stand for in the full the full expression of my life, then I'm going to be able to create products that are available for at, at all different price points. That's very, very interesting. And I tell you why, because when you're talking about, we're going to call it Celtic one end and then we're going to on the, the Asian end on the other end. When I, from, you know, a Celtic man, you know, Celtic is rustic, but Asian is elegant. And it's, you know, it, it's interesting. And I, I look forward to seeing how you produce this because creating a design that matches both as one singular item that's going to be that's going to be if if when you and i know when you produce that it's going to be a you know that sort of thing for people that are listening who paint or who are an art or who are interior designers will understand that when you get that kind of combination right it'll be like a work of art absolutely and i really am challenging it's challenging for me to do and i'm in my head, I'm pretending that I'm going back to Central St. Martin's in London and having to face the Dean with, you know, my full brand philosophy. But if I get it right, Joe, it will inform all of the, it'll inform what the fabrics are, what colors, how it feels, almost how it smells. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the, it's the, the see, the touch, the, the emotional attachment, it's, you know, closing your eyes and it's like sitting on the beach, closing your eyes and visualizing the lap of the, the, the sea, the smell of the salt in the air. That's the creation and that will be brought into that. So, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've just wrote down three words here in to describe the interview that we've just had. And those three words are, don't give up. Don't give up. Absolutely. There are more gifts that we have to bring to the world, and this is why we're here. Sydney, thanks for coming on to Dublin South FM. Thank you so much. Last question. If someone wants to reach out to you, what's your website, or if someone wants to connect with you? Well, uh, my name is Sydney Marr, and it is spelt funny, C-Y-D-N-E-Y, and Mar is M-A-R. So if they just Google me, they can find me at sydneymar.com, um, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and that's where we met. So I have, um, I'm very easy to reach. And what song would you like us to play out with? What song? Well, maybe we'll play Baptism. Baptism. Perfect. Thank you for coming on the show. What if you could have a sustainable business without the liquidity concerns and make your company more profitable? Curious? Check out our tried and tested proven client acquisition formula. Go to www.joedalton.ie and book your free consultation now.